You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. We're here with our weekly dose of tech news that matters, tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech, and even some recommendations. My name is Christian Corley, and with me is Gavin Phillips. Hi, Gavin. Hey, Christian. How are you doing, man? I'm all right. I've just had a little bit of a uh, uh, kind of a setup issue with my microphone, deciding it didn't want to work, which was a little bit of a scare because I've got lost recording to do this morning. But uh, something happened. I turned it off and back on again, and everything is right with the world. <laughs> ah, it's all good. You don't want to have to face the prospect of doing a podcast, perhaps in like tapping into a cable to relay Morse code to your co-presenter. I don't that think would be as thrilling as uh, hearing you talk. <laughs> I'm well. I mean, it's probably fifty-fifty on balance. Let's face it. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So we've got our usual mix of tech news that matters. This is like the tech news that affects you and how you use your computers, as or, or phones or any other technology, as opposed to like boring stuff about um, who's moved to what company or who's bought what. Sometimes that does matter, but most of the time it doesn't. We've also got a bunch of tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech. And then we're going to finish with some recommendations. Now, I've given Gavin a recommendation that I was going to give. And I've just remembered I'm not giving that recommendation. I've got a completely different one. Oh, that's a shame because I've just da- downloaded the recommendation. Did you? Well, originally me... suggested. So give it a mention anyway. I think. Give it a mention anyway. Okay, then. Well, we'll do that. Okay, but um, the first thing we need to talk about is malware on your mac i uh, inc- yeah totally we did we have a button for that um <laughs> yeah that's that definitely got the vibe definitely yeah researchers have discovered a new kind of malware that has been used to exploit mac os devices and steal private user data this is um researchers at eset they've discovered this new malware known as cloud mensis which exploits mac os systems in order to spy on users and steal their private data documents email attachments and even keystrokes uh, which is a bit of a problem for the um also uh, i was, I was going to get really insulted about mac users there but i'm not going to uh they've they've had it easy let's say over the past few decades when it comes to viruses and malware and other risks aside from ransomware because that kind of affects everyone and but now uh this is a bit of a risk cloud mentors can bypass apple's mac os transparency consent and control or tcc system and has the ability to view users activity on their mac os device in real time and extract data from cloud storage it's probably tight in high value devices rather than average users but Let's be honest, most people using a Mac have a lot of money to spend on using a Mac. And a good portion of Mac users are freelancers with connections to all manner of different companies. It's a bit of a risk, really. Uh, if you're in that kind of dynamic freelancing Mac user zone, this is a big risk for you, isn't it, Gavin? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, all malware is, is always a risk, but particularly something that comes out of the blue like this and evades the traditional stop gaps and security that we have in place to protect our computers. So, I mean, what's what's the deal with uh, protection in the, in this sense? Are there, stuff, are there things that Mac users can do to remain protected? Well, as far as this goes, it continues to be a threat. So you basically need to be very careful and wary and observant. Now, if you're using a Mac, you have had it easy. Let's be honest. You haven't had the problems that uh, 
PC, Windows PC users have had over the years with endless uh, viruses and malware and worms and all the other things. And then you've got your, sort of your exploits and vulnerabilities. There is something you can do to improve your privacy if you're using a Mac, which is going to help things a bit. And there's a few tips um, using a password, enable disk encryption, check app permissions. That's an important one. And change the name of your Mac so it isn't obviously a Mac. That's also a good thing to do. There's a link we can provide to you to help improve the privacy of your Mac. In the meantime, you need to wait for an update in order to um, hope that this is dealt with swiftly, basically. Yeah, hopefully they get on top of it as quickly as they can. It's good that ESA have spotted it as early as they did. And uh, as per our, our make use of news report on this, uh, there's actually been a quite a low uh, number of infections. But as Christian said, when something like this does pop up, you do need to take some extra precautions to keep yourself safe. Definitely. Now, Samsung is releasing a new set of folding phones. They're coming on August the 10th. It's the Galaxy Z Flip 4 and Z Fold 4. And they're basically folding phones that look like, well, they're like deck chairs. <laughs> <laughs> really, really expensive deck chairs. <laughs> yeah, and really small deck chairs. Deck chairs for mice. Yes, or Lego men. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the um, we don't really know an awful lot about them, but they are coming along in August. So if you are someone who is into the folding technology and wants a folding Galaxy phone to accompany, I don't know, your, your handbag mirror or something, I don't know, um, the Fold form may support the S Pen, a, a built-in S Pen, uh, there's a bunch of features that we've got to share on the uh, Make Yourself website, which you can find in the show notes for this. And uh, you can you can check out whether you like the look of these or not. They are dual screen as well. There appears to be on the Flip 4 a display on the back giving you the time. I'm not sure if that's the case with the Fold 4. Uh, difficult to say at this point because we don't have all the photos. I can't get my head around the um, the crease Gavin with folding phones. Folding phones is just something that isn't, unless you know we're talking old style flip phones. I just it just didn't work for me at all. The, the whole like, am I alone in this? Can I? Is is this just me? No, I don't think. I think it's a large proportion of the population still, to be honest, which is why we haven't seen them catch on really uh, at all. It's still a really like niche product. I've maybe seen one person using one in public. Mm. Uh, and I I'm, I'm obviously don't live in a big city, so I'm sure if you did, you'd probably see a few more there. Um, but, yeah, by and large, I don't think they've caught on in the same way that people want. I think some of them look cool, though. The um, the Windows device, which the name of is uh, escaping me, I think looks quite nice because that opens quite wide. Yeah. and gives you, like, a really nice big screen to work on. However, the issue with that one was when it launched, the screen fold sort of started to... I think it was almost like delaminate or the screen started to just come apart from the Ew. from the underside. So it ended up with, obviously it's going to have a crease in the middle anyway because it's a folding phone, but this had like, you know, a crinkle mark effectively, which is my sort of major worry with these sorts of devices. How long can that fold continue to fold and keep the screen intact? Yeah, it's not nice, is it? It's, that the whole idea of something kind of like that falling apart in your hands, essentially, is... Uh... <laughs> now I have two phones. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and that is why we have dual SIMs. Uh, the, <laughs> and more security news. Now, the FBI is warning crypto investors to watch out for fraudulent cryptocurrency apps that have already stolen millions from crypto investors. And just before we now we we do call this the tech podcast for technophobes and tech news that matters. Uh, crypto is kind of a, a sort of a fifty-fifty thing, isn't it? As I like to say, I know that I don't know enough about crypto, and I think that's probably sort of like the baseline of getting involved with crypto is to know that there's a lot more to know, and you might know it or you might not know it. People either do crypto or they don't do crypto, don't they? Yeah, I think you know some people. I think when it gets up to its you know peak highs and uh, and you see the words bitcoin and uh, ethereum in you know the national newspapers shall we say because they're reaching their all-time highs that's when people suddenly go oh i should probably get involved with a bit of this uh, but in fact we are actually at the current other end of the scale where both of those they're the two largest cryptocurrencies bitcoin and ethereum are currently um almost at their well not all-time lows but they're the lowest they've been for years at this point yeah um, so to see uh, another large glut of scam apps coming out whilst everything's at its lowest is uh, it's actually kind of a little bit worrying, showing that maybe people are preparing the ground for a surge when the prices uh, do. And I mean, if they do increase, they're getting ready to scam a lot more people that suddenly rush in and perhaps aren't doing enough research before they start downloading apps and making payments and, and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to qualify with what I just said there. My wife's uncle is by no means interested in technology. He has a regular monthly investment in crypto. So it's, you know, it's not something that uh, is just purview of the technologically minded. It's anyone can do this, and it's through apps that these attackers are targeting people um u.s investors who have fallen for this scam were initially convinced to download one of these fake investment apps wherein attackers pretend to be well-established investment companies and make false promises in order to you guessed it trick the victims out of their cash but once the funds were deposited there was no going back uh, it's a, an advisory has been released by the fbi in which it states that these scams are also causing reputational harm to u.s investment firms so uh it's having a bit of a knock-on effect on legitimate organisations, household names. So, uh, I guess if you're using, uh, if you're trading crypto, if you're buying crypto or selling crypto, whatever, use the established apps. And if you know someone who's thinking of getting involved, do your utmost to make sure they are using the right suitable apps. Um, I'm going to say Coinbase because I use that, but there are many others. Yes, uh, I would completely agree here, Christian. Coinbase is an excellent on-ramp to to cryptocurrency. It's one of the most secure apps you, you can use. Other apps are available. The one thing I would say, and I think this is maybe where people do end up getting scammed, is that they go and look for apps outside of the Play Store. Now, phony scam apps do still exist on the Play Store. Everybody knows that, you know, Google Play does have a problem with uh, malicious apps but if you go outside the play store and try and download uh, the app somewhere else from a third-party website you are even more likely to encounter uh, a scam or end up a victim of a rug pull or, or or something worse
we're going to move on now to a bunch of tips and tricks which will help you to make better use out of the technology around you. And we're going to start off with ways to boost your Wi-Fi speed by up to, and this is a this is a big claim, Gavin, five times? Five times, Christian. You heard it here first. Go on then. <laughs> Impress me. <laughs> okay, so in your Wi-Fi router, you likely have two bands. You've got a 2 gigahertz band, uh, 2.4 gigahertz band, sorry, and a 5 gigahertz band. And they broadcast alongside each other. Uh, within each of those bands uh, are individual channels. Um, and your 2.4 gigahertz has uh, up to 11 channels uh, in the US. Actually, it's up to 14, but some of those channels are actually uh, illegal uh, and you can't <laughs> use them. Uh, yeah, the 5 gigahertz channel has up to 20 channels. And the thing is with these channels is that when you are in a close proximity to other people's Wi-Fi routers, if you're using the same channel as, say, your neighbour, say you live in an apartment block and you've got three other apartments around you uh, and you're all using the same Wi-Fi channel, you could actually all be interfering with the Wi-Fi signal from each other's routers. Now, it's not as bad as um, someone else will get your... Netflix transmission or someone will send you an instant message and it'll end up on someone else's computer that's it's not as bad as that it doesn't work like that but the overlapping Wi-Fi channels can cause uh, your Wi-Fi to actually slow down effectively because it is getting you know slightly confused about where it needs to be so that's where your Wi-Fi channels come in. You can actually manually change the Wi-Fi channel on your router to a different channel. Now with the 2.4 gigahertz channel there are only actually three uh, individual channels that don't overlap completely with the rest. They do overlap some but they don't overlap everything and that's channels 1, 6 and 11. Mm -hmm. Now you can go into your Wi-Fi router settings. You can find the information about how to do this on the article on makeuseof.com, uh, which Christian will put in the uh, show notes. Uh, and it's actually quite a simple process. You log into your Wi-Fi router, you find your wireless Wi-Fi or advanced settings, uh, and then you set the specific channel that you want. So for 2.4 gigahertz, like I said, you want to choose either channel one, six or 11. Uh, and it's slightly different when it comes to 5 gigahertz um, because uh, 5 gigahertz has a larger broadcasting surface basically there's there's more channels for it to choose from um, and you can choose from oh, how many channels? Uh, 20 channels like I said uh, and again you go into your router you choose a specific channel and you reap the benefits instantaneously Excellent. I am going to see if I can reap those benefits uh, later on today. But in the meantime, um, just to, I mean, Gavin's talking about logging into your router. Now, I mean, if we said that to, say, my mum, that would be, <laughs> no, you can do that for me, son. Uh, but it's a really simple thing to do. And you'll either find the details with the documentation that shipped with your router from your ISP or on the back of the router. It'll give you the address and the default username and password. Now, you shouldn't be using those default usernames and passwords. You, you need to change those. That's that's like kind of um, router security 101. So change that password whilst you're in there as well. But also, that's how you get into your router. Through the browser on your computer, you type in the, ad the 
address for your router, log in, and then make those changes. Let's move on to bottlenecking. Now, this isn't a uh, it, it isn't anything to do with bar fights, and or, or even playing the guitar. It is what happens when your PC slows down. Bottlenecking is a term everyone in the customizable computer realm seems to be using and beyond, to be honest with you. But what is bottlenecking, Gavin? Well, when it comes to computers, it just means that one part of your computer is either overpowered or it could be underpowered as well. But they're, you know, they're sort of linked, aren't they? And uh, you just don't have enough capacity for your computer to run properly, basically. So say you go out, you buy a really nice, shiny new uh, CPU, that's the processing unit in the computer, and you plonk it in, but you've got quite an old graphics card, you know, it's chugging along. Yeah. Uh, so your new processing unit is way more powerful than the graphics processing unit, that's the video card in your computer, uh, and therefore it can't keep up. It simply does not have enough power to keep up with the shiny new technology and therefore you've created a bottleneck in your system. Now that way around an overpowered processing unit to an underpowered graphics card isn't actually the end of the world because you've got enough processing power that your video card can then probably run at full capacity which is what we all want. You might not be able to play the games that you're expecting per se, but you're not going to struggle for graphical fidelity. The other way around, uh, which is where you introduce a massively overpowered graphics card into your computer and you've got maybe a slightly older processing unit, um, you can end up actually really stunting the performance of your graphics card because the CPU simply can't provide enough power to the rest of the computer, it can't keep up and deliver the video quality that you'd be expecting from your super shiny, powerful new graphics card. So, with that in mind, is there any way you can check for bottlenecks? There's two things you can do, actually. Uh, one is you something you do before, <laughs> before you buy. So there are really handy... Um, Websites like uh, PC Park Picker, for instance, which lets you uh, list out all of the compatible parts for your computer. Now, that's a really good way to build up a list and an idea of the compatible parts. However, there is one downside to that, and that doesn't actually show you if there are going to be power imbalances in your build. So you can use that website, PC Part Picker, that is. It's really good. I've used it loads of times. Uh, to build up a list of the sort of hardware you think you're going to put in your new PC build. But once you've done that, you need to use what's called a bottleneck calculator. There's a few of these online. Uh, I've got two suggestions for you. One is called CPU Agents FPS and Bottleneck Calculator. And it's really, really simple to use. You head to the website, you enter in the information from your computer that's your cpu the processing unit the graphics card and the ram information uh hit calculate and it shows you where any potential bottlenecks in the system might be uh, and then if you have a bottleneck in any area of it you can go back to your pc part picker build and adjust maybe it might say oh you've you need faster memory, that's your RAM. Uh, you, you need more memory, or you 
would benefit, say, from maybe a slightly less powerful processing unit to help your graphics card. Uh, and the second option I will just mention is PC Builds Bottleneck Calculator, uh, which is also very uh, similar to the first one and gives you a nice graphic illustration towards uh, what's going on with your potential system. Excellent. I um I I mean I'm obviously aware of bottlenecks, but I didn't realize there were tools that could actually help you uh, figure them out. So that's that's kind of good. Yeah, so it's been, it's a, really so it's been a kind of a, a uh, kind of a mental exercise, hasn't it, in the past? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially um, when you are trying to, if you are building a, a new computer, I think this does apply mainly to people that are probably building out a new thing but it doesn't have to just be people that are building out a whole new custom pc rig you know if you want to upgrade say the ram in your laptop or something you could still use one of these to figure out what what would be the best option we have reached that point of the show where we start to talk about our weekly recommendations this is the basically uh we've encounter something and we think maybe it's at least worth talking about maybe even you might like it yourself dear listener uh gavin who's going first this week um did i go first last week or the week before Do you want i to go have first no idea i'll go first then okay so <laughs> as mentioned at the top of the show i've changed my recommendation but i'm, I'm but uh in hindsight and as gavin's done a little bit of research into it <laughs> we'll stick with it for now <laughs> Um, it is retrofootballmanagement.com. It's an app for uh, Android and for iOS, and it basically re it, it recreates the uh, feel of the classic soccer, for you American users, uh, re listeners, uh, management sims from the uh, 90s, 80s and 90s, basically. The, the early days of uh, football management sims with um, very little interaction from the user other than basically selecting the team and uh, buying and selling players and it's really really nice and satisfying to use it isn't a fantastic app um, game by any means it isn't you know it isn't isn't a f football manager but it is a, a great little it just it, it rekindles that old that old feel of um management sims and i really enjoy but i've been playing it for about a week now and i've um, played it a lot and i've um there's various leagues you can choose from english league italian league you can choose um different years as well so i'm playing the 1991-92 season it's it's fun it's good i'm enjoying it have you checked it out yeah I was just, i'm literally just actually looking at the range of leagues uh, right now, uh, and as you said, there's uh, English, Italian, Spanish, Scottish, German, French, Dutch, Portuguese, Brazilian, Turkish, Argentinian, Polish, Russian, Japanese. Uh, the Major League Soccer League from 2015, that may be of interest to our listeners, and Football Italian 1991, which was a classic season. Oh, yes. Um, it looks really, really good, and uh, I was planning to work today, but I may just... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it does look really, really good, though, and it definitely will scratch that uh, nostalgic itch for those that have played, especially the early championship manager games, because it's also done in that uh, that aesthetic, isn't it? Like block style, chunky, chunky buttons, which yes. is really cool. And when you get the results, too, it's like watching it on Teletext as well. Aha, excellent. 
which will mean nothing to our American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was um, the thing that I decided that we would talk about. The thing is, it's not. It's a good recommendation. I do suggest you try it. But uh, I got my Steam Deck a few days ago. Aha. And it, it seems wrong, and especially as we were talking about gaming on Linux earlier in the show, it does seem wrong to ignore the fact that I've got, at last, this handheld gaming PC, which runs on Linux, SteamOS is based on Linux, and that there's a lot of application layer software and compatibility layer software in there, which makes running Windows games, or games developed initially for Windows, I suppose, run with... Seamlessly, it's amazing! I, I can't it is get over amazing. It is amazing. Have you got yours yet? So no, I no, I, I gave mine up You'll to, give yours, yeah. Yeah, to James Bruce, our product review editor. So are you getting one? I have got another one ordered for later yeah. in the year, yeah. Right, right. I'm seriously impressed with it. I mean, I say I'm seriously impressed with it, but the first thing I installed was a was Zul Redimensioned, which is an Ultimaker game that was republished <laughs> on Steam. Um, so maybe uh, I, I am impressed with it, because I've also played Half-Life 2, a bit of Half-Life 2, and uh, found uh, I'm not as good as it, at it as I thought I was with a mouse and keyboard, at least. But that doesn't mean it's um, it's just a, just a different dynamic of playability, because you're using, you know, using a mouse and keyboard. But, I mean, the, the, the number of um, controls on there as well is quite surprising. It doesn't feel like there's too many. It just feels like there's enough for different purposes. And, as I, and the user interface... It's beautiful. The noises it makes are beautiful. I'm so impressed with it. Because I'd, I'd avoided James's review as well because I didn't want to spoil my experience of getting the Steam Deck. <laughs> so uh, I just checked the rating of it and then I didn't watch the video. I didn't um, read it or anything. So I am uh, I'm very, very surprised how good it is. And also, the great thing is, I don't have to, it, it kind of means I don't need to buy a new laptop for a few years. Because I can, yeah, I can reasonably expect new games to run on the Steam Deck for the next three or four years. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the big things they went for, wasn't it? Was that this is going to remain completely useful and uh, be able to play like the vast majority of games for the for the upcoming period, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so double recommendations from me this week. What have you got, <laughs> Gavin? Uh, we're actually staying firmly rooted in the world of gaming, actually, Christian. We've got another gaming uh, suggestion this week. Now I'm going to suggest the game Vampire Survivors. I don't know if you've played this. Um, no. It uh, It's available on Steam. It's an early access game, which means it isn't actually completely released yet, but it's been out actually since December of last year. So it's very well far down the track of development. Uh, it costs two pounds and nine pence in English money. So what's that? Maybe three bucks. How much? Three bucks. And I'll just read out this percentage of positive review rating for you. So of the one hundred and eight thousand user reviews it's had, ninety eight percent were positive. Bam! That is a positive game. So definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's a top down roguelike game. Um, where you are playing one character and you're fighting off hordes and hordes and hordes of different types of beasts uh, and the it comes in sort of waves and you get power-ups to help you fight off these beasts so you might get one that gives you an axe that pops out of you every now and then and takes a few people out or you get one called garlic which gives you a little area of protection to keep the beasts back from you 
And there's loads of different unlockable characters. Oh, I can't remember how many, but I think up to 20 odd unlockable characters. And there's all sorts of different stages you can unlock as well. Uh, and for something that looks really quite basic on the top level, you'll suddenly realise, ah, I've been doing playing this now for a good hour and a half i didn't know where the wow. time has gone so it's one of those it's really really good fun it's deceptively engaging and engrossing so uh yeah it's super cheap as well and at that price i don't think you can go wrong excellent that sounds great uh we should check that out everyone and you'll have plenty of time to do that shortly because we've reached the end of the show if you've heard anything that you've appreciated uh, let us know if you have any ideas for future shows also let us know and if you have found something that you think someone else will appreciate then by all means share it with them and if you could be so kind leave us a review on apple podcasts and uh, let us know that you've done that and we will uh, read it out i mean it needs to be a good review obviously we're not going to read out a rubbish review <laughs> Well, we might do. Might be amusing. Yeah, we might. Yeah, if it's really amusing and not full of profanities or something. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. We'll be back for another really useful podcast soon. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>